0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com
1: for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers fresh ingredients you need to create home-cooked meals. Get your first two meals for free at BlueApron.com slash BadChristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up Nephilim hybrids? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is Matt. We are back. Got a great episode this week. Uh, We did this one in Toby's garage, which we're really working on. It's gotten real nice. I was in Charleston last week and we got to do this episode all the way together in the same room and then called our guest Nick Bogardus and had him join us right there on the fly. I really enjoyed doing that. I'm going to try to fly to Charleston more often. So thank you to everybody in the BC Club and everybody that supports us that we can afford to do stuff like that. Thank you also to everybody who has done the following. Downloaded Zach Boland's new EP. It's, uh, it's on noise trade still. You can get it if you haven't. I just saw him in King's Kaleidoscope play in Seattle a couple nights ago. It was tremendous. Uh, you definitely want to get that. Thank you for getting Devin's crowdfund going. It's over 80%. It's almost there. Got a little bit more than a week left to go, so... Check out the cover songs that he's been doing. They're incredible and gives you just a little bit of a taste of what his record's going to sound like. It's going to be smooth. It's going to be silky. It's going to be Devin Shelton. You're going to love it. So let's get that all the way there and support him so we can can get this record going. It'll be a special one, Uh, you know, for sure. DevonSheltonMusic.com for that. And then, overwhelmingly, thank you for all the ticket purchases for the Emory Acoustic with Devin in California. Uh, that's great. We sold a ton of tickets this week. Uh, more About 75% of them are gone, so you better get on them, get the rest of them. Let's sell all these shows out. That'll be really good because we'll, we'll just have Emory continue to climb up oh, the ch- you know the charts and get rich and you know, on magazine covers and I don't know what what else do you get women and drugs I mean it, it'll be good just just keep buying those tickets and it's gonna work out good for us and and you and everybody for sure if you're new to the podcast thank you for being here yeah we do stuff like you know you could call us the irreverent brand of Uh, Christian deconstruction, skepticism, who knows? I don't know what it is, but we're having a good time. It's Toby, Joey, and I, and we're going to talk. We're going to do Death of the Sermon Part Two. Go back and listen to, you know, the Death of the Sermon episode we did a few weeks ago, and we're going to continue that discussion today. I hope you have fun with it like we will. All right, let's go. You accept the call of the mic? I accept the call of the mic. Then here it
2: come. cause it's a microphone I'm check, bring and I gotta check in my spirit for three, the microphone two, check, and a one. check in my spirit it, in Joey. the
0: microphone. <laughs> 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 it's the Bad Christian Podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Okay. What's the ongoing? Right on. like, what, like, what do you think about keeping on going? Yeah. Yeah. What do you get out of this? I mean, it, you need more
0: attention. You will give out in a second. Like, you can't keep this up or you'll pass out. Yeah. What wow. do you get out of that? Oh, do you, what do you think your level of beatboxing is? Like, do you think you hey, actually, I'm a really good beatboxer. I, I do he's not. Really good.
2: I would say on a scale of one to 10, two.
1: Because there's
2: some people that just can't do it at all. But you say number but one means perfect. No, 10 is perfect. Oh, okay. Stupid-headed. So
1: 10 is like the guy from Police Academy.
2: No, like the Facebook father and daughter. The daughter's a 10. Have you seen that? Oh, my
1: gosh. You watch
2: Facebook beatboxing videos? Oh, People send it to me all the time saying we got to get them uh, people on the
0: podcast. Did you try to do that, or are you just too intimidated? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, cool. This is a great way to start the podcast.
1: You guys went there. Y'all could have just gone into You mean, you mean, into the, you mean the beatboxing in, in general? Like the whole idea that we do that is yes <laughs> a terrible idea. And I don't like it yeah. because it's evolved to, I oh, used to be three, two, one, do something to start it. Now they drag really out. And then we got into a phase where there's a bunch of pre-roll to that. Where you ask y'all your questions, you say, "Are you ready?" <laughs> then you do something. Then you make a joke. Then now, you do that. Not to mention the show obviously has an intro. First of all, is ad pre rolls, right? Then the Bad Christian Podcast. Then me yeah. talking over the music. Then you talking about the intro that y'all are about to do. Then you do the intro you're about to do. Then you that goes on too long. And then after you're done doing that one, now we're sitting here talking about the the re intro that we've done. I can't <laughs> I wait. It's like ten minutes, eight hours show. long. <laughs> so well, I'm sorry, everybody We're not going to change It's like bureaucracy Once it gets rolling No, now we're like You can a church, only, add, you we can only add to it Whatever we're
0: doing We talk about it Like even our beatboxing That's We're going right. to talk about that And see how it affects That's the right. world And how <laughs> what we are doing With our beatboxing Is, is instrumental It's like changing. the government
1: Or anything It can only grow There's internal <laughs> organizations And bureaus And they can only They can only increase and Fine then Welcome everybody We're moving on I'm
0: going to tell you About my life i want to tell you All something that happened to
1: me Okay, I don't even know If y'all think
0: this is cool But I kind of had a dad moment The other day So um, when I drive Ruby to school or pick her up, I try to do little quizzes before, like I'll give her my phone to play or, uh, a game or something like she has to answer, get five questions right. huh. And if she gets it wrong, she loses a point. So sometimes it lasts longer than I, I, would even, I even want it to. So anyway, I was, I was trying to get her to answer this question and, and we were going through a bunch of them. And then we got to this one. I was like, huh? I said, Ruby, what is faster, a motorcycle or a bicycle? And she said, "A motorcycle." I said, "What makes a bicycle go?" And she said, "Pedals." I was like, "All right, cool." She's understanding that. Mm-hmm. She's getting it. She she real is realizing some of the mechanics of it. She's only six. Um, and I said, "What makes a motorcycle go?" And she goes, "A rocket." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's not a bad answer
1: because if you watch them on the cartoons, they inevitably have the, a big tailpipe with something coming out of the back of it, which is the same way the rocket is yeah, depicted. I totally agree. So. Um. And then one thing she loves doing too, which is really weird. And I don't know if y'all's
0: kids do this or not. Like she really enjoys talking to Siri on my phone. That's one of the number one oh, things yeah. she does. Like she'll ask it a question and then die laughing when mm-hmm. Siri says something. Like, and she goes, she's actually asked Siri, do you live in the phone? Like she's talking to Siri uh-huh. like a person because she thinks, and what I realized finally was too, at first she thought, does it live in phone? Cause she, when she, when she hits it, it's on demand. But then she thought, oh, it's just a person on the other on side, the other of, the side phone, of the phone just like grandma or yeah. something and like so ruby that. thinks that siri is like a, just a person a real person on the other side of the line not just a computer program which i thought was really interesting but i think siri must use this word but it was so crazy uh ruby hit the button to talk to siri and then I, she said oh i no, i hit it i was trying to find a picture of a like a komodo dragon or something to show her and she goes oh dad siri didn't conclude Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. And I was like, what the hell did my daughter, my six-year-old just say it? And, and I realized, wait a minute, she's using this word, understanding what it means, but my father wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> if she said that, my dad would conclude. What in the world are you talking about?
1: Because <laughs> Siri you, says, I didn't conclude what you're asking or what? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Like, And Ruby understood
0: at least, like she was using that term right, yeah, like in the, in the right way. And I was like, whoa, that's just really interesting. Anyway, one more dad thing about her. So all this kind of happened in one day and then, uh, still, it just got me so much still that like Ruby, when she goes into school, no matter what, halfway up she turns and doesn't even, even she's not even, she's seeing me, but she'll wave. She just walks. She has to walk like 200 yards to her class, a hundred yards to her class, 50 yards in. It's probably, you know, she just turns around and goes, Oh, dad'll be there. I'll wave to dad and say goodbye. And I was like, that is going away so fast. Like soon she will not look dislike me. Yeah. She doesn't want to look back. Like, like now she thinks, Oh, I'll wave at my dad. I love Mm -hmm. my dad. But That is going away super fast. She's already six and she does way less. Of course. And so, I mean, imagine 12. Yeah.
1: 12 is the, 12 is the, what I always say. And I don't have a 12 year old, so I can't, whatever. But I do believe that you have a, when you first have a baby, You say, this is my baby. And it just is. It's just your baby. It's you and Jessica have a baby. You just do. And technically, it's a human and a person and all that stuff. But for the most part, it's yours. And then a one-year-old, same thing. And they go through toddler, and you go, oh, you start to really say this is a person. They have this. They're this way, this way. Once uh, I think about age 12, that really is just a a person. Like it's not so much your kid anymore. Technically, it's your kid in that I'm my dad's son. But he, I, my primary identity is not my dad's son. I am right. me, and right. I have a father, yep. and my father has a son. Technically, that's true. Yeah. But I was his son probably until about age 12. At that point, really, pretty, you're predominantly your own person. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's, it's very, very sad so in the sense sad. that you look it's at your kids it. as, this is my kid. Like, the main thing about Georgia is that she's my daughter. That yeah. is the main thing about her, and that's going to get less and less. And by the time... I don't know, Joe, Rose is probably about that age. So she's just some person that you happen to be the father of. Do you know what I mean? That's sad. She doesn't give a shit about you. I'm not saying she doesn't care and you don't have a good relationship. I'm just saying her identity shifts somewhere around teen, preteen, to where it's just a person that you happen to be the father of. I can see what you're saying, but I think it varies from person to person. I'm not trying to diminish your relationship, but I'm saying in every relationship, no 16-year-old is mainly somebody's kid. That's not primary to the way anybody experiences any 16-year-old. Yeah. Huh. yeah, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And I've, I'm, gonna, I'm identifying from my thoughts, perceptions yeah. around age 12 where that occurs. Do you have, being that you have an older daughter, where would you note that? Where would I note that? Yeah, what, what age do you think you really is when it's like, okay, this is no longer our little girls as a person that we haven't been. I mean, it's a with. slow
2: transition that started. Two or three years ago. But I would say at this point, she's very, and it is going to depend on the personality. She is very, very much Mm -hmm. so connected to mom and dad. Like she gave Priscilla a big hug yesterday, said, I really missed you all day long. You know what I'm saying? And
1: that's not just a thing to... Of course, it's all different. But I'm saying if you're a parent and you have a a infant right now, you feel like, I love this baby. I have this baby. Technically, you'll be a mom forever. However, just go ahead and get it in your brain that only for the next 10 to 14 years... Will you have this? The current feeling that you do of this is that, you know, this person is mainly my kid. You know what I mean? There's right. a time expiration on that. It's not 18, and it's not 21. It's not when they get married. It's sometime when they become online as like a full on self-identified person, less yeah. connected than their family. It's, it's kind almost of sad like it's that almost, you only really have your kid in that way. It's for almost about like years. your
2: kid getting married to a lesser degree because yes. when they get married, it's it's, it's like course. these are my parents. Of course, that's so another big means. designator. Yeah. But yeah. Toby, I, what I learned from all this is you you are well on your way to making some kick-ass sermons, man. You already got the kid stories down. Oh, yeah. Now you just need to just throw some theology right. in there, and you're good to go, man. Except
1: for one thing, I hate
0: sermons.
1: <laughs> 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 That's really funny. Um we did i 'm telling you guys already we 're going to go ahead and title this uh episode Death of the Sermon part two because we did get such a big reaction from huge from the sermon, the Sermon from the episode the we that preach. we titled Death of a Sermon recently and may i don 't know what it is, but I kind of have this feeling like I got contacted by a bunch of people i 'm sure you guys did too i got- t- contacted by m- several pastors yeah. and several Christian people and Christian leaders that I look up to and know um they were like, "Hey, uh, you know, I listened to that, sir, that episode. I have some thoughts on it, and, and and met with and talked to with more than one person about it. And I really feel funny about it because I'm pretty sure the only reason that it got such a big reaction was the way we titled the sermon. Because I don't believe there's anything the way we, we really, titled the sermon. Daggum it! <laughs> <laughs> transposing it, I'm exposed." But the, um, the way that we titled it, I really think has almost everything to do with it, because we were just talking about a bunch of creative ideas in the episode, if you'll recall. We were talking right. about how we do this, make a podcast this way, do music this way, um, sharing our ideas about what church could be like, which are completely normal uh, bar conversations, community group conversations right. that everybody has all the time. We did, u- and we used the phrase death of a sermon to illustrate it and then titled the episode that. Yeah. So then when you're listening to it and you hear, and this is what they want to do with church or whatever, it just draws all kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like a proclamation. Had it been like right. a bunch of goofy ideas, episode 160, whatever, then I don't think anybody would have really been so alarmed at the things we're saying, because when these people are talking to me, I'm like, uh, and to, to this moment, I'm like, well, I don't really remember what we said. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were saying this, and it has to be this, and why are you saying this about the church, and aren't you really just evolving in your own cul-de-sac there, and aren't you just trying to do the very thing you're against? And so I was like, honestly, I don't really remember what it was we said. We <laughs> were just talking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the issue that has come up, and I want to ask you guys about it, is first of all, I'm interested. Do you Can you stand by that statement of, like, I don't like the sermon? And two, are we... The fact that we claim that we don't know what we're saying or the joke I just made, which I believe are, are just bullshitting here. Does that mean that we're not really responsible or we're not taking this seriously? And But when in reality, we know what we're doing. We're trying to cause change. We're trying to be leaders. We want people to listen to right. us. That's the main thing just, we heard. Yeah. But we're just acting like it's no big deal. Right. Or is it Was I just bullshitting? But, well, first that, and of so all, it's a
2: really good question. First of all, I'm going to speak for Toby. Thank you. Toby. No, you <laughs> speak for yourself. Toby no, you speak like, for yourself. Toby doesn't like the position of the sermon. He does not hate the sermon. He no, may I think do. he hates the I sermon. I do hate the
0: sermon.
3: <laughs> he doesn't
2: like where right. it's positioned. So in other words, it's positioned every week? No, Toby doesn't agree with that. If at the very most once a month. I think he can month. speak for himself. No, Good. I'm speaking for Toby. I want you to be quiet. <laughs> okay, go all ahead. Right. Go ahead, Pastor Joey. <laughs> Preach. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of our congregation here, the three of us. <laughs> no pastors called me except
0: for Pastor Svensson. That was the only one that called me about I, it. I'm going <laughs> to unveil
1: now that we've been co sermoning together for 165 yeah. <laughs> episodes. Busted everybody. You've we're been dude. indoctrinated. We've been doing <laughs> two
0: sermons <laughs> a week. A, a, a ton of pastors actually called us and agreed with the death of the sermon, but they were all just campus pastors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, that's so, y'all, y'all said it was
1: good. <laughs> well, that, that's a compliment. Well, yeah,
2: yeah, man. I I think I think we're we would be kind of squirrely to say, oh no, we're not teaching anything. We have no responsibility. I just, uh, gosh, even as I'm saying this, I go back and forth. But yeah, bottom line is, if we care about something important enough to actually put it out on the air where we know twelve thousand, fifteen, twenty, 15, 20, however many people They're are going to listen to this, then yes, I think there is a level of responsibility. Now, I think where we all would draw the line is we're not necessarily responsible for wh- what people do with it. We're not taking stewardship sure. necessarily of these people. But yes, but we, we all you know though? we're leading something I, and we I, may I, not I was... be asking to.
1: But it's I, indirectly I, I, happening. I, I, I don't I'm not even so sure that. about that because I'm telling you I don't remember what we said on that episode. I mean that, which also should mean I didn't have – I did write down three or four things that I, that I had thought of that week. I don't even remember right. what I wrote down. I don't have those notes. I didn't prepare what I was going to say, and I just said whatever I said as it occurred to me at that sure, time. Sure, we weren't trying to indoctrinate people or so try to I, get policy changed. I don't necessarily think of it as, as, as anything more than that. I really don't, but I understand it will influence people. But so would anything. Anyway, I don't want to get too too far into that, but I, I am interested. To Toby, do you, now that we've done that, you look back and I'll say, "Oh, I didn't mean death of the yeah. sermon." Actually, do you like sermons? Well, I mean, what well, would is on that. The
0: thing, Joey, do you like the sermon?
1: Do I like the sermon? It's just sometimes yeah, he's just some broad no, no, no. disclaimed answer. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I answer. do. That's not a yes or no answer. Okay, then yes. I mean, what my, How, what's what the, the
0: percentage of times you dislike the sermons? You go um, once a week and hear sometimes two times, the same sermon two so times. So on Sunday morning, well, what's the percentage of times This is a little bit skewed, too, because we go to a, a church, so it seems like we're only talking about our church. I'm okay. think, think about all sermons that you listen to, because I'm, I'm actually saying all sermons, not just the church that I attend or work at. I'm talking about sermons in general, across the board, in the entire world, and in every language. This is what I think about sermons. Yes, I think they should be killed, and <laughs> they, aren't, they aren't effective to me. Now, I want to say they aren't effective to everybody, right. but of course, a million people immediately are going, no, man, this sermon, it spoke to me. Yeah. Okay. Of course it did. Sermons can be good. Of course they can be good. My point is, I think we have transitioned into a thing called a sermon when it was all along supposed to be actual teaching. And I think that we really fail miserably at teaching. And that's one of the things I think we did talk about is the fact that we are not really teaching the Bible. We are... Christians are some of the most dumbest, failing score people ever that studied a Bible, uh, studied a book that much once. I mean, what yeah. other class have you gone to for an hour a week your entire life and you know, know that little of it? And, it's, yeah. it's it's
1: it's horrible. What what a <laughs> it's ter- like going to college and saying, and then when you take the test, somebody gives you a test, eventually go. That's the professor's job to know that, right?
0: Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I paid
1: the professor. Well, to you're talking talk about, about the it. professors the one that yeah. <laughs> I do you. I mean, I, I mean <laughs> but yeah, you're I, sitting I'm at something, just a student. But <laughs> I, I do, I do, and we're gonna have Nick Bagarda on here in a little bit. He's one of those pastors that contacted me. We're gonna Skype him in real time here in just a few minutes. But he'll have thoughts on this, and yep. I think he'll be able to say it better than me. But I don't inherently agree with you. And that's, okay. I was reluctant to even say death of the sermon in any way. I think it makes a really good point, but I still feel like biblically it's sermon is the right thing. We might be doing it in a super goofy way. I think there's something that's different about preaching than teaching. And I hopefully Nick can explain what it is in his hopeful, uh, hopefully constructive criticism for us. But I think And I'm saying this without I could have researched it in the Bible for once or didn't. I do think there must be something about sermons and preaching that the Bible says and outlines that includes like uh, exclaiming or uh, what's the exhorting or proclaiming Christ, like proclaiming it with authority. That's different than teaching. Right. So there has to be an exhortation.
0: Joey, you said this last night at, at our beer group. That uh, I thought that was a really good point you made. I fully believe that you need leadership. I fully believe that it is fine to preach and teach. All I'm saying is we have now gotten into a situation where it is elevated to the most important thing and mm-hmm. the way that God speaks to you and what you need to get something spiritual out of it as opposed to owning it and searching and wrestling and figuring out some stuff yourself is such a, a easy, seeker friendly way yeah. to get in to where after a little bit of time, you, you don't need the milk anymore. Yeah. And that's it. And so what do you do then? Well, I go to the same place where I do the exact, exact mm-hmm. same thing. And I don't think the churches are trying to encourage that. I think the churches are literally trying to encourage you to do something else. But I believe the setup is just, it just puts you there and keeps you there. Sure. Where you go, ah, well, Like you said, he's the preacher, he's the teacher. So I, yeah, it's his job, not mine. I mean, in no other thing do you get all your information just from a one kind of person or something like it's just it just seems yeah. really bizarre, really that that's the way it is, and you just go, okay, yeah, this is, uh, almost God breathed or something like. I mean, you seriously. get everything
2: from Huffington Post, yeah. Think Pretty about no, I don't. <laughs> Have you heard? Uh, oh, Yahoo! A couple Yahoo. Of times.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're, exactly. I love Yahoo. <laughs> And roving reporters send stuff from all over the place.
2: Well, I listen to my sermons from my church, and then every now and then I listen to Driscoll about that.
0: And, I mean, isn't it kind of weird that they're almost all the same? There's like a few points that you make, and here's the sad story, and then there's the joke. Yeah, but you know what what everybody out there is doing right
1: now, Toby, what's this a frustrating thing about this form of communication? Almost any broad point that you can make that I think is very well informed at, in, in the sense that it's at least what other people are saying and feeling. That If nothing else, I don't think you have any of your facts right probably, but your sentiment is exactly what I think is out there. Do you know what I mean? So that's what it represents. And therefore, everybody out there is going, yeah, I know, but. I know a church where or I right. heard a sermon. Well, that's kind of beside the point for you to be making that point right now. I know that's what's in your head. Well, at, not at our church cuz we do X, Y and Z. Right. Okay. Then if there's one. Okay, if there's 10, if there's a, whatever it is, it's all I'm speaking to and what when what I'm hearing from Toby is he is speaking a legitimate sentiment that is prevalent across uh, most people that we represent. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying there's no such thing as a good sermon, or in no case somebody should, but I really am frustrated that listeners can't figure out how to listen and uh, put things in the appropriate category. So it's probably worth examining, do people think we're explaining or teaching or leading or suggesting or mandating like those those are pretty good questions to me at least that's what i've thought about because i'm like wait surely you can understand where we're coming from but then it's like yeah but i mean you do want people to listen to what you're saying right now and if if so what do you want them to do but i don't know
2: weren't we would not be doing this i don't think that we would do it just for entertainment i don't think we would spend this much time if we were doing it just for entertainment then we'd probably just still be doing it once a week and we probably wouldn't be as motivated. Or We'd, talk
1: about different topics because this didn't necessarily help.
0: I
2: would definitely be brainstorming different beatboxes. Yep, more on the beatbox for sure. So, well,
0: it's just like and I may we mentioned this. You're right. Most of the, what I said, I mean, that's the thing about leadership and stuff too. Everything is. I, I seriously thought today, no matter what, the number one thing you should do is just go to a Christian bookstore and all the titles you see. Write a book the opposite of that. I really believe you should, <laughs> there should be a book right now or, or just as many books saying do not be a leader. You should not be a leader. Every single book I see now is about leadership, leadership, how to grow in your leadership. Do lead. It's just this buzzword. And honestly, most people should not be a leader. You do not need 11 billion leaders. You only need a few. But brother, you, you don't just, need brother, those you you leadership. You have to lead yourself. And, uh, you have to lead yourself. To, to what I was saying too is just. Our friend, Dumpy, uh, yeah, well, his wife doesn't listen to this, so maybe it's okay. <laughs> All right, so my friend uh, was talking about him and his wife and how she just feels totally fine with just going to church. But he said he's sitting there, and when it gets to the sermon, because you, you're, you're standing up during the music, when it gets to the sermon, he realizes that he's thinking about next week. And he mm-hmm. looks over, and his wife's making the grocery list. Yeah. Definitely, And he's like, what are we doing? What yep. the hell are we doing? I had here? the exact
1: same conversation, not with a friend of mine, and his wife, but me and my wife. Cause right. my wife is, you know, I'm the least multitasker in the world and she's the most. So she was irritated at people that were leaving, not going in for the sermon, sitting out in the lobby and doing stuff and not being in the sermon. I'm like, but I, you were on Pinterest, like the whole sermon. Right. And she's like, well, I can multitask though. And she no. said, I was listening. I was like, well, maybe. And she's. Granted, very good at that, but I right. wouldn't want to test her, she'd probably get the answers right, but i I was I was some my clearest thinking that I ever do during the week is for forty minutes while the preaching is happening, and I have nothing else I can like I don't want to get on my phone because I feel like that's dumb, right, but I tune out the preaching. And right. so now for 40 minutes, man, and I love it. Like I have this super laser beam clear focus. have all these ideas. Like <laughs> it's sometimes like I, driving the bus. Yeah, I mean it's just it's really it's like I'm captive. I can't be distracted and I can't listen to this. <laughs> right. And so you know, <laughs> have to avoid that thing I'm not trying to. I'm just naturally like I I don't right. I don't sit down and go, "Ooh, right. goof off time." I sit no, down I and I say, "Okay, what's he saying?" First Peter and then soon I'm like, "Man, that was a great idea you just had. Right. You got, and then I start. I'm just down a trail, yeah. and that's. And my wife's on Pinterest. It happens. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's just where the, I'm the at. good that comes out of it for me is. There's tons of
0: times where I'll hear something, and then I go, "Wait a minute!" And then I'm off on a tangent, going, "I don't know if you can just say it that way." And then I'm looking, I'm googling the history of it. What did it actually mean, and this and that. So I guess I, I mean, obviously God can use something, but there isn't anything else you would do that with, especially when we're talking about the God of the universe. So my whole point would be. Less, less talking, more action.
2: And here's what I'm sick of: I'm sick of a listener hearing what you guys just said and said. Well, you guys are just unteachable. You don't want to learn from anybody because you don't have that mentality yeah, like all the in the on Your podcast, what
0: would say that? What all the elite guests on your podcast would say that to us? <laughs>
2: so the <laughs> n- nobody would say that in the public school system. You'd say, "No, wait a second. Some people are auditory learners. Some people are visual learners. Some people really need to be working with their hands." They, the
1: teachers suck. The, yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah.
2: The, the public school system—they don't operate well like that. But they, at least in college, we're studying the fact that people learn differently. And so, I just don't like when someone just says to, in response to what Toby just said, "Well, you're just picking it apart, man. You need to just be uh, a learner and
0: and you know, yeah, be teachable, have judge- a teachable judgment heart in your heart. Man. Yeah, all you know is just, judging. Which I didn't <clears throat> even go there. Some yes, I am, but. We have to think about people that this mold that we've made does don't fit. But in. you you just you're
2: not saying that no one can teach you. You're saying of course not. I don't like the means in which you are trying to do it. Yeah,
0: and I'll even something else my, out. My words are harsh. When I say I hate the sermon or whatever, what I'm saying is the frequency of which it is and the level of everybody kind of uses this, it's the meat of Sunday you know, for you, like the word is being spoke, the word I mean, you is all, being spoken. And I'm just like, man, there, there's so many other ways to connect with God and to do things. And,
1: and that, that should not be the centralized thing. That should be a small part of many. Yeah. But I mean, the, 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 the nicer way to put what you're saying is that since you do care about and believe in the sermon, you're simply upset that it's being butchered.
0: Yes. Butchered and made to be the most important thing. Cause one yeah, well, of the least yeah, things Jesus did was preach. That's actually one of the least things he did. From our, from if you look at the Bible, number one thing he did was he did do that exhortation stuff. Hey, what, Pharisees, what are you doing? Hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm talking to you right now. You can't do this, this, this. Yeah. I, I mean, and then when he did preach, holy shit, it's a big deal. Yeah. I'm telling you something. Sure, listen up. That that'd be awesome because I believe fully as far as speakers and craft and wordsmiths on and stuff, everybody's great. I mean, I, I bet the top 100 pastor podcasts. They're all really good at speaking and super smart, way smarter than me. Yep. So, why does it come down to they're just going to tell me a sermon about me? Hey, if you do this, this, sure. and this, I know t- life's tough, but this, I mean, really teach the, the Bible, man. Get into it. Like, this is, I mean, and, I don't, and you don't need hardcore theological uh, teaching principles every Sunday either. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there should be a variety to where nothing is elevated as the most important thing of your week. Like I yep. literally heard pastors say, don't miss this Sunday. It's going to change on this Sunday. You don't miss church because it is this. And it's I'm a like, bit, whoa, so, whoa, whoa, It definitely
1: feels a bit self-important and stuff right. like that. Let's, let's, yeah. let's get Nick Begardis on and see if we can He's going to bust. learn, us. Uh, you know, I, I respect him and a bunch of other people that they've talked to. So let's, uh, let's hear what it feels like for somebody who spends their time do- on the craft and is probably pretty good at it. In fact, I've heard him preach. He is good at it. I know that. Um, and, uh. Just, just see what they say. We'll, okay. we'll be open to that. All right, we'll let's take a break, and we'll be right back with Nick Bagardis. So people come up to you and tell you they, they like the new record. How does that feel? Do you have people come up and get this new record, and people, people come to you and tell you, like, does it make you insecure? Do you, are you like, yeah, of course, of course it's good. Um, this one's just such It's such a personal one, you know, that I yeah. think that people are—, people are um,
2: they're a little bit timid to even like talk to me about it because it's like it's like oh I know all this I just heard you say all these things to me that are pretty pretty personal definitely and, you know there's a there's a few songs on it uh, that deal with like stuff like my my mom passing away and um,
0: and me doing this crazy trip that I did and and uh, so they'll they'll come to me like man you know like when you said uh, for instance like there's this line in, in the first song that I'm talking about like
2: the way that God seems to respond to people's prayer requests in unusual ways Mm -hmm. and i'll I'll just be like okay well yeah you know this is looks like this is what we're we're talking about now we're like really diving into it
1: when my mother's doctor calls again with more bad news song is called In Your Name from one of Tooth & Nail's newest artists, Tyson Motzenbacher. He has a new record coming out on March 4th called Letters to Lost Loves. And you can pre-order it now on iTunes and also at toothandnail.merchline.com. Matt. What's up, Toby? Even here in
0: Charleston, it is freezing cold. And I moved to Charleston because I hate the cold. I don't mm-hmm. like it. And my fingers are always cold. My toes are always cold. Uh-huh. So... Uh, it's kind of dreary and sad. It just makes me feel, I, I felt that way a lot in Seattle, actually. There's only one thing, though, that just, it doesn't matter how cold it is. It warms my heart, and it literally makes me so excited.
1: Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, there's only one thing that solves that? Yeah, more than my family, more
0: than anything. What is it? Blue Apron. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but I'm not joking. Seriously, when I pull up in the driveway, and, and these cold, you know, wet months, and I see Blue Apron waiting there, I'm just like, man, it is... So cool that I did not have to get back yep. out and go try and find dinner. This busy life that I have with all these freaking jobs and all this stuff. Blue Apron sends
1: delicious meals straight to my yeah. door. So it's less of Every that time. getting out and going in the cold to the grocery store and doing all that stuff. And the, I, to me, it's the mental energy of not having to decide. Oh, it totally just says, what do you want for supper? I said, I don't know. What do you want? Well, don't have to that, that mental decision making actually is taxing. I really believe that it is. Well, so, what did you have recently? Well, us give they, me an example of the stuff
0: that's good. All the food is great. Like you can go from you know chicken fried chicken with collard greens and homemade ranch, cod udon with uh, shiitake broth, pork with heirloom carrots and beets, uh, quick preserved Meyer lemon chicken, or you can even get on the vegetable side, which is really awesome. Like vegetable bibimbap. Uh, With eggs, roasted trumpet mushrooms and turnips and quick napa cabbage. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the reason why I'm saying all these things is it fits in any diet. Like you really can have a lot of food and nothing
1: is better than Blue Apron vegetables. They're amazing. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I like it because about $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers all the ingredients you need to create your home-cooked meals. You just follow the easy step-by-step instructions. That's really all you got to do. It takes about 40 minutes, 30 minutes really, 30 40 minutes. It's not overwhelming and you any anybody can do it and you can make awesome stuff. So right now you can get your first two meals for free by going to blueapron.com/badchristian. If you haven't done it, you're a lunatic. So do it right now. It's two meals for free. Your first two meals, go to blueapron.com/badchristian. Blue Apron, a better way to cook.
4: Hey Nick. Hey Matt, how's it going?
1: All right, Nick. Thank you for being on the show. I, I uh, introduced you not very much at all. I just said that you were going to be on here. I said that you were uh, a pastor. I said I've heard you preach before. and It's good. Yeah. Um, Nick's also was that in the Mars Hill system when Toby and I were. Came up with that. And then I guess even more connection there is that Nick has been in the music business for a long time. You've been a manager. You were orig- you were Thrice' original manager, correct?
4: Yeah, our company uh, oversaw uh, Thrice, Cold War Kids, Matt Costa. Um, those are some of the bigger ones. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I heard your podcast when, when you were on Ray Harkin's show, 100 Words or Less. I thought oh, that, right. was, that was a tremendous one. If you're interested in Nick's musical career and everything he's done that way and how he got through that and into where he's in now, it's a really interesting story, really good show. But um, how long were you Thrice's manager until what point? Um, I was
4: uh, with him for eight years from uh, Identity Crisis up through the four uh, concept record. You know, uh, the, what was it, Earth? Earth, fire, water, and yeah. air. Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: that's cool. So you got yeah. to go all the way through the big major label system and indie world and everything.
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've been through it, so you know uh, what a what a mixed bag that mm-hmm. is. It, tons of blessing, tons of difficult stuff, but it was, it was great, man. I'm very thankful for that time.
1: And so somewhere in there, you just had been, you just, you had wanted to become a pastor. I'm trying, I, I don't usually care a ton telling everybody's long backstory and what their mother sure. did and everything, but how did you get from that to being a pastor?
4: Sure. Um, Well, I got out of the music business when I met my wife and she was in the Peace Corps um, Mm -hmm. and she was going to be stationed in Mongolia when we were dating. And so basically it was like, if I wanted to to get the woman, I had to go across the ocean. So Mm -hmm. I ended up giving up my business to my partner, we rented our house and I moved over there. We spent the first year and a half of our marriage in Mongolia. And so wow. it was during that time over there was the first time I, I really got to, to teach through the Bible to, to really uh, serve the church by bringing the word to bear uh, in the lives of the people and also just practically serving them. And so that was the first time it was really like, man, how could I do anything else? This is what I, I want to do. And so from there it led to Seattle and then from Seattle down to here. And that's the short version.
0: How's the Mongolian barbecue over there? Dude, it's a complete lie. Like <laughs> it is not,
4: they, yeah. It's it's a complete lie. I'll tell you that. Dang it!
0: Yeah. Oh, check that off your bucket list. You know, yeah, no, going... De, Devin, our, our 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 old singer in Emory, he that's his favorite Mongolian place. barbecue. My, Mongolian barbecue. That's the only thing I know about Mongolia. I don't even know where it's at in the world. I don't know where you live for you. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I'll, and, and now you're telling me even that's a lie. That the barbecue's kick ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing sacred in this world. Well, so yeah. Nick,
1: Nick, you yeah. emailed me. um yeah. recently, when you heard our Death of the Sermon uh, episode titled that way. Now, I thought what was interesting about it is I, I always am flattered when people that I've heard preach or been in church with or even look up to, which I would consider you in both a musical career way and your pastoral ministry that you've done now, somebody that I take as a, as a, as leadership to me. That's, that's the way I think of who you are as a person, um, whether you knew that or not. But So it's really interesting to me to get an email just that anybody even listens to the thing we do already is like, wow like i feel that that's super cool to me In to, to receive in that way but with that said we wanted to make sure you knew your email's full of
0: shit man yeah we are full of shit. pissed
3: dude. off <laughs> I,
0: I, I hate it when people listen to this thing I
1: it's flattering but yeah now yeah. I'm like oh crap does it really matter
0: email <laughs> like oh no he re- he listened to the Oh, it's like, yeah. it's like real no. smart guys like nick are yeah, listening to us. What is it? there's no chance he could even like it
4: no, no joke it was it was one of those emails where like I, I, I mean, I appreciated so much of it. Like I wrote in the email and I, I just wanted to give you some feedback. I thought might be helpful, but it was one of those ones where I woke up the next day and I went, oh crap. <laughs> like, I, like, should I have sent that? And did I word it how I want it? Like I had my wife read it because I was like, I hope like I didn't bum that out. it is to get blindsided by an email. It's the worst. And so yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be that at all. I really, truly wanted to be helpful.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I hope people understand this. If there wasn't context for a relationship, I would have probably not, thought too much about it. I certainly get a lot of messages and thoughts and assume people that I don't have any context for who they are, what they've been a part of, or if we have personal connection or even better than that relationship means a lot. It's a lot different coming from, from, from that. So I hope people will understand that. I'm sure there's people that will email many times or Facebook messages. We have plenty of different inboxes and it's really hard to pay. You can't pay attention to all of it. Anyway, I valued yours, but I'd like for you to explain to people how you took that episode.
4: Cool. How I took it. Like, like I think, I, like I wrote you, I, I appreciated um, what what I think you guys were going for, which is you were challenging, you had concerns about the state of preaching uh, mm-hmm. as it is now, and you were concerned about if it would be. Um, Helpful or effective moving forward is that mm-hmm. an accurate representation of that that was you cer-
1: were? Yeah, that was certainly in there. But you know, don't cool. you don't have to, to say what was good about it? But f- feel free to fire us away. We've already been discussing about for 15 minutes before you yeah. came on too. So oh, we cool. g- well, got a little yeah. bit of background on. So we're into the topic here. So as far yeah. as sermons and preaching and stuff goes, sure. uh, or what are we doing? This you know, lay it on us, man.
4: Yeah. No. 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 So. I appreciate it. I want to make sure I understood it correctly yeah, before I level sure. critique. And so um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that there there is a right to be concerned about a lot of uh, preaching. Uh, I, I think I would share a lot of the same concerns. I, I have a lot of concerns about preaching. Um, uh, pastors who never get to the gospel, who uh, would end up just leveling some kind of moralistic um, recipe theology on people for how they can just make their lives better and not uh, build their affections for Christ. Um, I have a lot of concerns about like sermons that are largely just, you know, either historical lectures or anything like that. Like I'm with you on that. I think people more than anything need Jesus. They need to know um, what God has done for them in uh, giving Christ to sacrifice for them, to rise for them, like that he loves them. Like they they need, like more than anything, I need to be reminded of that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. funny the the day after I sent you that email, um, I was having a really, really hard week and a, a member from our church just called me and he wanted to check in on me and he did that to me. And it was just, it's just a reminder, like, uh, he just, he preached to me over the phone. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I just need that. And that's what um, I think we share in that. Like, there is a concern that people need that. However, like, I, I, what I, what I felt like in the podcast was lost in some of the, the, the conversation and the clutter, um, was I felt like you guys were starting from the places of what you thought preaching should be, uh, and missing that preaching comes in the context of a few other questions, like, uh, what does it mean that God speaks? Um, what is the Bible? What is the church? What is the role of the pastor? Before you even get to preaching, you kind of have to like look at those things. And so starting from the place of what you think something should be is starting from a place of kind of preference or uh, even like a kind of a consumeristic mindset of what, what mm-hmm. is wrong about this to me as opposed to actually what's God's design? Because I, I think God's design is good. Let's Let's look at that and let's work towards that.
1: Yeah. Well, If we were supposed to start with that, I mean, it seems like in, from my point of view, in a conversational setting or this podcast, I mean, I don't even, you know, you can't go in and say, I want to make, I want to talk about what I'm feeling today. But before I do, I must go into a bunch of hermeneutics and disclaimers for the audience. That doesn't seem reasonable to me to not be able to just speak you know, freely about what I'm thinking about. Like I, I don't, we didn't, pl- what I was telling them before, we didn't really pl- plan it. It just, that's what we were talking about that day. Uh, okay. Like it wasn't supposed to be, now it's time to inform America about the plan. <laughs> that's just not the way sure. that we took it. But I understand we've treaded into territory where there are people who are experts who put a lot of thinking and thought into it. Yeah. And so it seems like, we shouldn't be commenting in that area. Perhaps I, well, I guess,
2: I guess, uh, I think what Nick said brought up a good question is you said how your friend called you yeah. and basically preached to you or gave, uh, I forgot how you said it, but basically yeah. the same, uh, role that a sermon plays, your friend yeah. did that for you. So yeah. I guess that brings up a good question. Then why, why is it that we need to show up, uh, at a particular building at a particular time weekly to hear from the same person impersonally and and that's the thing is we like Matt said we talked about this before you came on we do believe that it it has a role but every single week from the same dude and we don't get to have follow up conversation about it and yeah. we're teaching people that hey as long as you can do this uh yeah we recommend doing the other stuff like small groups and outreach but as as long as you're here on Sundays to hear this at least you're doing that, you know? Well,
4: yeah, I guess maybe two things there. First is um, the, the helpful reminder that preaching is only one form of communication that Christians do, right? Like my my buddy mm-hmm. preaching to me over the phone is in the same like realm of communication as me preaching. It's only one form, and so it's not necessarily saying that it's... Um, the ultimate, it's it's saying it's just one one form of it. So I wouldn't elevate it. Uh, could, could you oh.
1: define what what sermon or preaching mean to you? Because I don't really have a good definition. That might be a problem.
4: Sure. I mean, um, preaching um, the gospel from God's word to a particular people in a particular place. And so that kind of that kind of brings to the second. Um,
1: but it's, I think we probably had to spend some time here. But so yeah. c- communicating the gospel to a person is a sermon. Uh. What, is what preaching you the first, unique from the sermon? Is preaching, preaching from from the sermon? I'm just trying to get the terminology. Sorry.
4: Yes, I think that's fair. Um, when I use the word preaching in relation to my buddy calling me, that mm-hmm. was a loose use of usage uh-huh. of, for sure. Uh, yes, it's different. It's in the, within the realm of communication. Um, preaching uh, is that mode in which you are uh, declaring, heralding, proclaiming mm-hmm. uh, the good news. Right. So I guess that would be the more. Uh, and yeah. is it
1: distinct from teaching? We were discussing that earlier too, without a really, I without think, an answer.
4: Yeah, I think so, man. I think, I think it is. I mean, so let me, let me kind of hit two things in, in what I think Toby said, is that it sounded me totally like what you were asking. Um, the assumption is that it's always the same guy. And I would agree with you that it's good to have a team model. I think it's good to have different guys. Like, uh, preaching. i preaching. I, I think the church needs the, in the same way a kid needs a mom and a dad, it 's helpful to have multiple people preaching like so they can hear different uh, perspectives on a, on a text or different even giftings and emphases that a guy would that different guys would bring I think that's a huge gift so I 'm with you on that I think it it, it can be detrimental to the to the people to have just one voice that's always speaking I mean some churches you have to do that like even in our, our case we 're a small church and um, by and large it is me, but I, I try to bring in guys as consistently as I can so that are our church can get Mm -hmm. different voices. Um, And then, um, sorry, what was your question, Matt? Is it distinct from teaching? Yes, it is distinct from teaching. Um, I think it is distinct from teaching um, in that, um, Teaching, teaching's goal is to inform. Preaching's goal would be doxology. Like my, my intent in preaching, it's a part of worship. It's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to just shove things into their head. I want them to, um, I, I want to lead them to worship Jesus in it. So it's, it's two different endpoints. And I think that's another thing that like I kind of, I mentioned the concerns, like a guy can get up and give all the, you know, the, the, the greatest hermeneutics, the best historical background that he can in a text and it's not actually like a sermon until it gets to like, okay, wait, but why did Christ have to die for this? How do how do I know that God loves me by what He did for me because of this? Like, until mm-hmm. like it gets to that like heart level part, like I don't think it really gets to a sermon. And you guys have probably sat through. Plenty, my my the people in my church have probably sat through me doing that. Unfortunately, we've all sat through that. Yeah. We know the difference between someone who's just teaching us something and someone right. who is actually affecting the mm-hmm. way that we that we feel about Christ.
2: So do you think there's a time and place then for it, it like, like within the church teaching people about stuff yeah. that that's not necessarily the gospel? Like, Hey, there's some people in our church that have a, a hard time with anger management. So we brought in an expert to kind of help you walk through some practical things on helping you guys with that. I mean, there would be a place for that, right?
4: Of course. Of course. I mean, of course there'd be a place for that. And I think, you know, even Toby, you mentioned something about, um,
1: just sorry to interrupt you, but you got Joey right here. Just just to be clear. He's just way larger
0: than me. Yeah. Yeah, That's how you can remember. (laughs) (laughs) So Joey, uh, something
4: else you said um, that I think is important is, uh, you mentioned the impersonal, um, the impersonal nature, which I
2: don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it's incomplete if that's all people are getting. So I don't want you to think that oh this is so impersonal I can't learn something from them. I mean I'm we're part of a mega church. So I just wanted to get that clear that yeah I'm, I'm not beating up the the sermon. Yeah, I think
4: um I I didn't I didn't get that at all. I would just say I affirm that like the the man should be known by the people. Uh, And the man, you know, he can't know everybody for sure, but I mean, there should be a level of relationship that as he's preparing, um, he is, he knows what his people need. He he knows what's going on in their lives. Um, uh, that's such a huge part of the, of preaching that, that is different than the experts, like bringing in experts to, um, speak in a panel format or a, a talk show format instead of the preaching, um, I think wouldn't serve the people as well, because an expert is coming into your church. They don't know anything about what's going on. They, they weren't sitting there praying with uh, the dying mother that week. They weren't sitting there um, talking and counseling the couple that struggled with infertility. Like, they're, they're coming in, they're conveying information. Like, they're not but, actually... Going through, like, what did what do my people need to hear from God? What do they need to see about Jesus this week that I know they need more than anything? And that's what the preacher should be doing.
2: Right? Uh,
0: why one guy? That I guess that's what's confusing. Well, he said he said he believes in having more people, but I, right. I I think for me the thing is when when I say sermon, I believe that is what we we've actually transformed in from preaching and teaching and exhortation. Like I I feel like the sermon is really this thing that's like a, a format that everybody follows. And it for a, I would at least, this is probably a generalization, but the majority is now also very much self-help and I'm going to pick a topic and then put some scripture to it so that I can tell you about how you need to be a better husband mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, and so the problem I have is it ends up the the starting point now for these new people coming to the church or the people that we're inviting to our church is really low bar. And then because those people came, you can't get to ever get past it. So that what I believe is regardless, the sermon becomes the most important thing of your Christian walk. Like the sermon is where God gives gives somebody a word and that is for you and you have to interpret it as opposed to man, what is God? I'm just walking down the street. What is God saying to me? Like the, the idea of really searching and wrestling and trying to figure out what God's saying, speaking to you into your life. If that's what it's about, if, if it's about me and my walk with God, then I, I, then I really like, it feels like a bad job that all, everybody does almost the exact same thing. Like it, in no, it it's just, it's almost sad. Like the, the creator of the whole universe, so creative and so magnificent and amazing. And we all kind of get caught in the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And there isn't as much creativity or there isn't as much ownership or there isn't as much, Hey, you're talking to me about my life and what I need, but I can't even ask you a question in this moment. I just have to go, okay, he said it. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Like that, that there isn't any opportunity for me to own my faith in that moment because I'm not preaching. I'm mm-hmm. not teaching at all. Uh, and so what I'm doing is, yeah, this guy can do it. I guess I can't. Okay. And so that's, that's the setup. It feels like to me.
4: I think um, maybe two things there. Like something just, just kind of like a little bit of a side and not, note.
0: And not you, just all the other ones. Just all the other <laughs> yeah, ones. just all you know,
3: <laughs> yeah. uh,
4: I share that same concern. I, I share this, the concern of the starting point. Um, and not even the starting point. I think maybe even the goal of what um, – uh, some, some preaching might seek to accomplish. Like we just need to, to give our people, if they just, if they could learn more, if they could just have better technique, they'll be better. And I think that's a false, um, I think that's a false premise. Um, but as far as what you're saying about having like the one guy be the, 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 you know, the, the sole authority of God's word in your life, um, something just on a kind of like a side note we've tried to do in, in our churches, one, I try to bring in different voices, for sure, like I mentioned. Two, um, we have all of our community group leaders take turns writing the questions for one another during the week. And the emphasis is not to say what Nick said that week. The emphasis is that we can practice leading a, a, a people through a discussion of a, a Bible passage together so that it's not about what, what I've said. It's about what the passage says and what this group can can see about uh, Jesus together. Mm-hmm. So it takes the emphasis off the sermon and, and, and brings it the word into the living room with them in, in small groups. Um, and then as far as like giving feedback, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know if you guys were at Mars early enough, but, um, I was reminded yesterday that I guess Mark really early on did Q and a after sermons. I know Keller did that
3: mm-hmm. for right.
4: years. I think that's really cool. I would love to try that. Um, I love that, that kind of interaction, um, I dialogue openly with our folks. There's, there's Mm -hmm. certainly opportunity for feedback as far as what you're saying about the format of in that moment, I'm listening. I
0: can't ask questions. Um, Or not. How about this? Just not even, I'm not even able to go. This sucks. Like, yeah, I don't get any say or ownership. Like I, like in any other thing, if I'm listening to the radio, I can go, Oh, I don't care about this song. Turn it. Yeah. but not at church because that's the the worship song. Right. Any other speaker, I go, ah, oh, it's kind of boring. I'm going to go to another subject or another speaker True. that would tell yes. me about that. And so there True. isn't.
1: That. Absolutely. I, I want to highlight that about what Toby's saying because I, it's, to me, I'm really thankful to hear that because the reason this stands out, the reason you noticed it, noticed in the episode we talked about music and podcasting, all kind of yeah. other stuff, just goofy ideas about stuff. Nobody really cares. This one, hey, man watch out don't talk to don't talk about the church don't talk about sermons i appreciate that what toby is saying is actually very sincere and very representative of what people actually feel like it's not representative of what people say on podcasts and at church and mm-hmm. in public so to me very valuable because um Nobody really, nobody's really willing to say, yeah, I don't really like it or it's boring or it's dumb. Like you, it's like, it's, that's taboo to say that because, well, I can't attack the church. And I can't be made to look bad and kinds of things. So mm-hmm. regardless of whether we're saying that, what Toby's saying right now is the way people feel. That mm-hmm. just is. So h- how are we, how are we as a people, as dummies supposed to deal with that? We sit in church and go, I don't. I don't even know if I like this or if I can't make myself pay attention. (laughs) The thing that makes
0: me the most mad is everybody on station is smarter and better and knows more than me. They really do. Like I, this isn't a question of, of intelligence or quality or anything like that. It just, it, it, I mean, the show's great, but it's just, it's frustrating. Like, like for example, like we asked 10 people last night, what they thought about the sermon. And honestly, the the prevalent thought was, yeah, it's for the other people. You know, I don't get that much out of it, but it's for the other people. And, And this thought keeps coming to my mind, too, like just the the idea of repeating the same stuff and not moving ahead. Like if if I sent my daughter, she goes to kindergarten or, you know, and if she went to kindergarten and then for the next six years, by the time she was in sixth or seventh grade, they were still saying, hey, listen, you got to study. You got to do hard. It's going to do this. Two plus two equals four. And like we are staying at kindergarten level. And we are not getting more. And, and the, the point I was making earlier before you got on, Nick, was yeah. I'm really concerned that we, I mean, this is a class that we're taking uh, once a week. And we are just the worst scores ever. Like it, 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 if a college taught like church does, it would fail. It would, it would not succeed. It just doesn't because the idea is, well, it's good. That's good for somebody. You know, uh, you know that, that person probably yeah. needed it. That person's mom's just died of cancer. It's for she somebody needed else, that sermon. is a, is a And if you, if thing. you contradict that, yeah. it seems
1: scary like, oh, you're a bad guy. You're scared guy. to say it, and yeah. I appreciate you saying it. But, you know, wh- how do you deal with the fact knowing that people out there are uh, – I mean, when you preach, I I don't know your church exactly, but at least most preachers, when they're looking out there and they're preaching, there's not a lot of feedback. It's like, you just have to say it was good and you have to listen (laughs) to it regardless. I mean, and you can't say, you're not going to say anything bad about it. (laughs)
4: Uh, I've watched people fall asleep.
3: Uh, (laughs)
4: The last time, when I was in Mongolia, the last time I, I taught a class, anyway, Uh, A woman in the front row farted very loudly. (laughs) A cat was meowing from the vent above me. It was just chaos, man. And I was like, this is terrible. Like, I'm terrible. This is all awful. Um, And so I felt it. And, like, I still feel it sometimes. I still sometimes after I've been like, gosh, man. I, I want to do right by these people, and I'm trying to do right by these because I want them to see how good Jesus is for whatever we're talking about that week. And so I still feel it. I, I would, I would hope you guys would see, like on one, on the other side of the pulpit, you know, guys who are sincere are going to be concerned to want to help their people grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something that's been helpful for me. I've, I've just been reading a lot of you guys like read like Wendell Berry or anything like that, the novelist in uh, Kentucky. He's a I guess he was in academia for a long time. He was an English professor at Stanford or something, gave it up. Now he's a farmer and he writes books about being a farmer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was reading a lot of stuff by him. And then um, this other guy, Zach S. Wine wrote this really amazing book on, I I think it might be the best one I've read on pastoral ministry called the imperfect pastor. But both of these guys, uh, they're both from Southern Indiana or Kentucky. And they talk about the importance of like just ordinary lives in a place for a long time. And they just, the Bible uses the metaphors of seasons and farming and agriculture for a reason that like change takes a long time and that generally the best things we do in our lives are small choices made small ordinary unseen things that are done over a long period of time mm-hmm. and so for me as a pastor what I would hope for the, the people to see is that that feeling of like why isn't this better or this isn't interesting to me um, I would I would try to help them see like hey one, we're in this together. Like I'm being shaped by you. You're being shaped by me. And this isn't something that's going to happen immediately. Like we're, we're, this is going to take a long time together. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a way that God forms us by simply being faithful where he's put us. It doesn't mean being content. It doesn't mean being like, uh, complacent, but it, it, it does mean being humble and being like, okay, well, so this guy's not the greatest preacher in the world. What can I learn? Like, what What can I learn from him? Like, what, what, how would God use this guy in my life? Like, I don't know. Like, that's well,
1: how about, probably
2: what I emphasize.
1: But you wouldn't necessarily say that about all, I mean, yeah, I guess some of the preaching that's out there that we're critical of, you agree, is, is valid to be critical of, though? Yes. yes. And, and then if so, if you're in that church, what's your recourse to say it? <laughs> Tell it your community group. Complain about. it. I mean, none of those really sound like good yeah, options. Especially,
2: especially if you're already invested in the right. people and no. you like the pastor. You're like, nah, right. I trust the guy. Yeah. I just didn't like what and he so had to And so, what say. we have
1: is an epidemic of people who go. I love this church. I love this community. Don't get much out of the sermons.
2: Do what do you do?
4: Do what I did with Matt. Send a crappy email. I'm like, <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that's probably a good but point.
2: Here's it, what what Toby, what you said though, as far as um, the issue you have with this with the sermon you wouldn't ha- i don't think we would have as much problem with the sermon if we called it all right now is the 15 minutes of encouragement and the pastor just gets up there and says hey here's some things that uh i just want to tell you guys about something that happened in the church blah 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 and we're going to read this passage but, but you you basically articulated like this is this is like what everybody's mm-hmm. counting on to grow with knowledge and wisdom. And this is where we're supposed to get our spiritual maturation from. And it seems like the level in which the pastors are going in their teaching is just so surface level. If we were doing that weekly, but that wasn't the intention of it, I don't think we would have as much problem with it. It'd be like, Oh no, no, this is not for our learning. Yeah,
0: I, I would say, and this sounds terrible to me. Only but got one I, life to I live. would say that the people actually dictate what the sermon's about. And that's what, is really scary to me uh-huh. is that the congregations are actually influencing the pastor to go well if I oh I preach this and they really liked it yeah I'm gonna preach that again next oh that, we're gonna do our whoa, series ten people sex. showed up My, they, they to, <laughs> yeah I know here's our sex series oh okay or whatever it is and then yeah. it ends up just being about the congregation for the congregation to talk about the congregation and it's the congregation
4: but it works two ways right like in the same mm. way the 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 congregation can inform um, what the pastors preaching like if, if the guys more concerned about people staying or numbers growing the the pastor is also the one feeding them and so like if he's not stretching or challenging or doing like that they're just going to end up continuing like it's like if your your kid was like I just want candy for dinner and that's all you gave him he's never going to know that steak's awesome mm-hmm. right like so it, i guess it's a it's a two-way street
1: yeah uh, but it's hard and- to deny that the market forces seem to prevail though that's that's a scary reality that we kind of observe. And now, of course, I'm not a, a really legitimate I say I'm not talking about you. Yeah. I'm talking about most of the people out there yeah. that are somewhere. Yeah. It seems as if people are like, oh, the market forces prevail. They want." not I mean, that insight. happens with anything. Like our right.
0: band, we definitely have written songs for because we're like, oh, if we write a song like this, people are going to like it. That, that's just a natural thing. And maybe that was right or wrong. Uh, my point there would be, since this is specifically talking about our faith and what yeah. God is and all stuff that I, there is not enough uh of the exhortation or preaching and that still is elevated like for example your friend that called you and you said pro- preach to you yeah, and yeah. how and how much that meant to you right yeah. now now for the next 20 years let him do that for twenty minutes once a week on Wednesday and, at three forty-five, you won't like it as much. You'll go, uh, <laughs> no, I, oh crap, he's calling again, babe. Oh god, I mean, you're gonna really just start disliking it. And the point is, because one one time, holy cow, man, that guy leveled me. I, he, he hit me with it, and then you go and do something else. But like with, with, but if that starts happening, if that guy calls you next week, you're gonna go, oh wait, now uh, it's gonna get worse and worse and mm-hmm. worse because. That guy has some kind of authority now to speak into your life in a way that is very specific and centralized to what that moment. And so I feel like it it kind of keeps you there. He yeah, starts so, emailing
1: you, filling the blanks. Well, yeah. Notes. So, so, Nick, how about that? Like, going... We don't see from if we're informed from, by Scripture and stuff, we don't see Jesus or anybody in the, the even in the New Testament church preaching, you know, with a frequency of one week in, in the same way all the time. Like, what's how about that as far as just simple formatting that we choose? Yeah, there's some sermons in the Bible for sure. I uh, totally agreed, totally like them. But <laughs> but wh- what's I mean, what's with the Sunday morning for 45 minutes thing?
4: Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, we would agree on that. Certainly, Jesus came preaching. He sent his disciples preaching, and the, and the early church was, um, you know, inaugurated by and grew by preaching. Was the message was spread by preaching, but it was also in the context of a bunch of other stuff, right? Like they're they're feeding the poor, they're meeting from house to house, um, and, and on and on. Uh, so we would agree that the preaching is is central to what we do as Christians. Now you're talking about the format, the day of the week. I mean, you can. You know, go back to the early church. Why they start meeting on Sundays? Well, you know, the, the resurrection, the memory of that. And the, uh, why they start preaching? Well, again, Christ and everyone preaching. So as far as like the, the format of 45 minutes or whatever, I agree that there is flexibility there. You know, like some of the guys I'd listened to that I listened to preach for 20 minutes. And that to mm-hmm. me, I was like, how could anybody say anything in 20 minutes? And these guys kill it in 20 yeah. minutes. And when I, you know, leaving Mars Hill, like I felt like this weird pressure to like preach for a long time.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: That was painful.
3: For for everybody
4: involved, you know? And so I think I think there is certainly flexibility on format and especially depending on what else you're doing um as far as worship. You know, like ours is more liturgical. So I'm I'm aiming for more like 30 minutes total because we're doing a lot of other stuff in the service that is supposed to uh be participatory and formative and not centered uh, necessarily on the preaching
1: mm-hmm. so would you find it reasonable to not preach every sunday me myself or to have preaching every sunday yeah, not you yourself, but you think it'd be reasonable for a community to gather as part of the church and not have preaching every sunday is it is it the main thing is it the main thing Is that the main thing about church
4: well I mean it depends uh, I think it's, a, it's a, a crucial thing. I mean, like mm-hmm. you're opening up the Bible, like you're hearing like, here's, here's what God has to say. I'm not saying it's the thing, mm-hmm. but I, I, think, I think you would uh, be neglecting um, the example of the New Testament and the church through centuries to say we don't need that. I mean, if you do it from time to time, like that's fine. Like have, have a prayer service, have like it, a, a service where it's just, it, it's worshiping. Sub- sub-
1: In addition to the regular Sunday morning, I imagine.
4: Uh, no, I think you could have Sunday mornings yeah. where, where you know there is no preaching. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's, it's it's a good thing to have that be a regular rhythm.
0: Well, how about um... see? I would say the opposite, and like something you said a little bit ago when you were in Mongolia or whatever. Like the idea, I think you were saying basically, you're, uh you you feel this desire to really want to help people and to teach them God's word, like that that yeah. has been placed upon your heart and all stuff. So yeah. the thing about that is that. That means that you have that and then everybody expects that out of, of you. And then also that causes that. I feel like a lot of that pressure that pastors have where no matter what, your entire job is to proclaim the word of God, as opposed to you don't ever get to be Nick sometimes in this situation. It sets everybody up like you. You're not just Nick. Oh, man, let's go bust Nick's balls. Uh, you know, you know, you know <laughs> like, like you, you, you're always pastor. You're always preaching or, or always doing a sermon at some point. And My, then it, yeah. it it leads into a, a, a kind of a weird thing where that's not good for you either to think that you are the voice for the God to the people like that. That puts uh, something on your shoulders that to me yeah. seems a little bit overwhelming. And
1: Yeah. Right? Uh, but, or, or even just a simple matter of if you preached and proclaimed and exclaimed and got excited and did that because it was really something that was like you are all about and you get a word yeah. from God and you care. But if it was, I'm just, just throwing out there. If it was like every 60 days, boy, that might have more. Imp- I honestly tell you the truth right now. I think I'd be more impacted if I'm like, Hey babe, this is the week we're going to go. It's gonna, everybody's gathering. It's going to be serious. He's we're going to preach. We're going to hear God exclaimed. And this is going to be great. I think it would be more profound to me than six weeks in a row of business as usual. I think I might be yeah. impacted more. And you don't have yeah. to necessarily prepare each week and nail it. It's, it's speci- I don't know. It's it's, just, I'm just talking. I don't know.
2: Especially like, when most people listen to their pastor on Sunday mornings, and then when they're jogging, they're listening to someone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, 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 you can do the listening to someone else instead. I,
4: I'm doing that, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm completely doing that, too. But I think it, it goes back to... Um, I think, again, it goes back to what is God's design for, for the church, for the people of God and, and preaching is, is a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of going into like what you were saying, Matt, it sounds like it isn't what you're saying based more on your experience of it or what it mm-hmm. means to you um, as opposed to um, hey, man, w- w- how would God form you and change you? Could mm-hmm. God do something completely ordinary in you over a long period of time by Good. simply just being faithful and going?
1: He um, could, right? Yep. I mean, we definitely tried that. I <laughs> have tried the other. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I've got That's all I'm saying. It. It's just, to me, I'm saying it this way. If you look at the Bible, we have a lot of recorded information, yeah. you know, relayed to us by its mechanism, in which case most of what... The Bible recorded about Jesus is not sermon contents. Now, if you go forward from this era of, in church history, the recorded thing that will be will be the packaged sermon contents. That's, there's something to that, right? Um, Je- we ha- all the stuff we learned about Jesus was story. He did this. He was having it. Like all of the media that we have about Jesus, what percentage of it is sermon content? And a hundred years from now, what will be what will we have recorded the the well put together bullet pointed sermons by the best preachers? I, I don't know <laughs> if that's the the you know it doesn't seem yeah. Jesus did, it wasn't all about preaching. It doesn't seem like with Jesus as much as we're about it now. That's just I don't know what that means. I I
4: don't know, man. I'm I'm thinking like the first you know huge chunk of Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. where he's he's preaching. I'm thinking yep. John you know, 15 through 17, like it, it's, it's prayer, but he's also telling his disciples what he's praying. He's pre- like, there's, there's tons of, of preaching in there. Yeah. And I think there's more preaching in there than you might give, give credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you in uh, like, I'm with like, dude, first of all, it, like it, it, it grieves me to hear what you guys are saying. Like people being frustrated or discouraged or like wanting more from the preaching or mm-hmm. the, the pastors. Like there's a part of me that, that, that I get that. Like I get it. Like I, I've been there. Like sometimes I'm there with myself, yeah. Like, like I, I get it. And, like, that's, it's, it's grievous. I'm, I'm with you. And, like, ah, God, there's, there's so much. There is, um, it kind of like, I don't know, like the, the evangelical industrial complex. People have used that, that sure. language to talk about, like, we we've turned so much of it into, uh um, production, um, at the expense of a lot of other stuff. But, there but are, I would just There are
1: like, certainly costs and expenses to that. Like, Toby referenced to the, what yeah. the burden it puts on you and the, the, you know that there are expenses to the fact that we want it to be as regular as it is that's a reality
4: there's a part of me that feels uh, in this conversation where like I'm having to defend preaching and it doesn't feel like I think it's important but there's another part of me that like as we're as we're talking and as you guys are bringing in these critiques like I feel like I feel like our situation is is healthy. I would love to hear what the people think mm-hmm. but like I feel like when I preach, I'm really honest about hey, here is how this has affected me either in terms of how I failed in believing it or in terms of here is how this truth has affected my life. That's vulnerable and open and inviting. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a depth of like, I have friends in our church, you know, like, like the worst advice I ever was given. And the, the shame on me for believing was like, you can't have friends in leadership. Like you can't have friends as a, as a pastor. And that was, It was foolish and Mm -hmm. dumb, but like, I can say now, like there's, we love these people and there's, there's a friendship there. And so like the, the preaching doesn't feel impersonal at least, I mean, to me, it feels like a labor of love for these people. And I hope they, they feel a connection there. So it doesn't feel impersonal. It doesn't feel, um, there's one guy who's like, well, I got this duty to do. I better go about doing it. Um, it it feels, um, an attempt to bring, yeah, the, the gospel to bear every week. Um, in a way that like people just need to be recalibrated, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, so well, I don't know. Go for it. Well, yeah. Well, one thing for me too, and I, I just want to make this clear, like when, yeah. I, when Matt forwarded the email, this, this is the truth. I loved it. Like I, there was no, like, I, I almost felt like you were like, Oh, should I say that or whatever? Like that, that really did feel maybe like, like you said, your friend did. Like in that moment, I was like, yeah. okay, Nick, is sending something that is maybe even calling us out and it was worded in like the nicest way possible so first of all i read it like god i wish i could write an email like that <laughs> mine would have been so much worse and yeah. two it felt like exactly my dream of what real like the real changes in my life happen in small things the sermons i, I mean of course i've been affected by a sermon and it hit me hard or whatever but the real yeah. things are like that and that's what i'm saying like that moment pastor nick spoke to yeah, me yeah 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 and i went whoo okay hold on this is something where and and the re- reality of that was in a crazy setting where we're in a different state and all this stuff all of a sudden pastor nick says something and i was like i felt like i heard c.s lewis one time i read this where he got together with the tolkien and some friends at the pub and they drink beer smoke cigars and talk about god and it was like the most cool it was the coolest thing for a you know nerd wannabe be younger guy to to read that and go, man, that just sounds like real deal. Like you're having fun and also calling each other out and doing that. So like in that moment, just to, just to say this, like definitely that, that was like the best thing possible. Like I love, I, I, I'm totally fine with people having thoughts that differ. And of course, I mean, you are a preacher. You should disagree with what we're saying. Like What we're saying is you should not agree with it. Uh, (laughs) I would say the only thing is like the number one thing for me would be that, that self-regulation of. How often does that need to be? Is is it, is there a possibility? You can ask yourself this question. Is there a possibility you getting up there, uh, every Sunday and preaching a sermon could potentially also be negative? Could that be negative? Like that much of me talking and that burden that I'm going, this is the word God Mm and this, I'm the leader. These are the sheep. I'm the shepherd, all that stuff, all that you have to take in consideration too. And I believe you do. I'm not saying you don't, I'm actually talking about all pastors probably need to ask themselves me being yeah. up here this much, is that good? Yeah. That can't be yeah. that good for people, all, all, this so th- much or whatever.
4: I think you're bringing up a, a good thing, which is kind of what I, what I wrote about in terms of like video preaching, um, which is so much of, uh, I mean, so the, the church is a people, and uh, in planting a church in our case is a, a forming of a people. Even, even church in general is a forming of a people. And so what you are um, bringing into it is shaping them. And they are, we're all being shaped by the culture around us in all of these ways. And so I think, you know, I, I forgot which of you guys mentioned it. You're talking about, uh, I wish I could just say this sucks and turn it off or yeah. switch. You know I mean? That's, that is a mindset that is shaped by the immediacy of our culture, being able to like go from having to go to an opera right. house to music to now I can right. just download one single from a record. Like it's, we're being shaped in a way that, um, you know, for better or worse, um, Uh, But not
1: necessarily for worse. That's worth pointing out.
4: Exactly, exactly. And so we have to be conscious of those things. And so I, I think pastors should be conscious of... How they are preaching and what they are preaching about, and even the medium by which they are preaching. Like we talked, about, like I'll, since we, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about the video stuff, or should we not yeah, talk about
1: that? Yeah, actually, I'll t- yes, I want to finish this on that and then move through. We'll be out of time soon, but I would, I'd like to. You're talking about the video at Mars Hill. Video was a huge part, a central thing, and you had a problem with it. That.
4: Was it was I I <clears throat> I had concerns with it because, like I said, we we're all. Um, we are all shaped by the things in our environment. You know, like uh, the guy Marshall McLuhan talked about how the, the medium is the message that, um, you know, you, we we shape and communicate even in, in nonverbal ways um, by what we introduce into an environment. And so just for example, um, you know, you, you walk into a traditional church and you walk in and you see an altar, you see a cross, you see a raised baptismal. You see a building that is shaped in the shape of a cross, like, and you, you see huge, high ceilings. And all of this is meant to shape your view of God—that He is transcendent and massive. That we ha- that we love the preached word, that it's elevated. That that um, communion and the sacrifice of Christ and our union with the Father through Him is central. Like all of this stuff is is communicating these these beautiful things about the Christian faith to you. But when you walk into um, a lot of churches that use video preaching as a, as the primary form of preaching. Um, what that communicates is like there's a screen and there's a disembodied messenger. And like that this is the most important thing yeah. to us as a church. And I think like without noticing it, people start to be shaped by that, which is maybe playing into what you guys are talking about, like people who are like, well, a sermon is the most important thing. It is important, but maybe the way that we've communicated them has shaped that. Um, And so I think we have to be conscious about um, the way that we even use a medium like video for preaching or even using, I'm not, I mean, we use screens in preaching, like, but there was a, there was a time where I was kind of reactive and I was like, I just don't want any technology. I don't want to depend on it. Cause we're, we're, we're engulfed in it all week. I want like, kind of like a, like almost like a, like a cleansing, like a detox.
3: Yeah. yeah mm-hmm.
4: um, anyway, like just to be conscious of it. And so, um, what you guys are talking about pastors being aware of those things is incredibly, incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know I hope that's, helpful.
1: Well, churches do a bad job of that in general, is which is being aware of stuff. Most churches simply adopt what they're getting or what they, the paradigm they came out of or whatever. So yeah. that's a problem. Well,
0: well regardless of, oh, real quick, regardless of right right or wrong, um, I'll just say my, me personally, Joey and I, we work at a mega church. It is multi-site with ton, yeah. you know, 13 different places all over South Carolina. And yeah. uh, I notice myself, just me, when I meet the pastors that are on the screen in person, I do react a little bit differently there is some yeah. f- almost form of like oh this is maybe is a celebrity a special person or like my yeah. whole yeah. life when i watch tv yeah. i went oh well, that person has this crazy yeah. skill and they're on tv and they're elevated i think joe rogan was talking about this this idea of like back in the day it was the strongest man be- beat the enemy and all of a sudden he's like oh well, we got to listen to him and he's the right guy and then he's elevated and everybody's like, oh did you see that man he, he killed t- 10 people no he killed 100 people and so there's a celebrity there and i noticed even in my own self i have to war against that to go Oh wait a minute. Yeah. That's that, that's just a man. That's a pastor. He's a cool dude. He's not doing that. That's me projecting yeah. onto him some celebrity. That that is not even anything that he did. It's just me because of the screen setup potentially. Yep.
4: How often do you get to watch him preach in person?
0: Very rarely. Okay. Maybe you, well, maybe once a month, I guess, at our all staffs.
4: I don't know if this is true for you, but I noticed that when I used to do that I would actually end up watching him on the video rather than watching him. Yeah, yeah I do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And that, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, that's that is weird. I, that's really weird. Yeah. Um, and so I think we saw a lot of, I'm not saying it's all bad. I just think you need to be conscious of what it's doing. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a lot yeah. of good right. short-term fruit from using video to to plant right. churches yeah. or, or something like like people got we got we got to see people get saved come back to the faith we got to see God do incredible stuff. However, there are long term consequences that people aren't considering. For and sure. I think that's w- with important. anything.
1: And Nick, we're so, almost out of time here, but I got to so, do one more thing. And you're talking about the the. Uh we met through Mars Hill and you are talking yeah. about the video screen at Mars Hill. Now I, I just can't let this go without having just at least one question about this. Sure. I think we're probably because I can't avoid it. And so I'm not going to avoid it. We probably are going to talk about Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll more in the future on this podcast at some point, at least, but you come in a camp. You're not the only one. Many people who are, who are a part of Mars Hill were, Stuff like that, that I've contacted and contacted about this podcast or been on this podcast, yeah, said I don't really want to talk about that on the podcast, yeah, and I'm not going to make you talk about it, but I am going to ask you why. D- why is that <laughs> something that you don't want to inform people, weigh in on one way or the other? Why is that an issue that is something you didn't want to do today?
4: Um, because I think it, it, it's such a polarizing mm-hmm. topic, and because Um, there's, there's a mixture in the experience, which is all really good and painful. And sometimes it's hard to speak accurately about something when you're sorting through what you actually think versus how you feel about it. Um, and also we're also just so close to it. It's hard to make sense of it still Mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know, giving it a lot of time, especially publicly seems, uh, foolish
1: uh-huh. to me. Do, do you hope that nobody else involved talks about it publicly? Or just you a, don't think you should?
4: That's a that's a great question. Um, well it, but then what do you mean? What's to be gained by talking about it publicly?
1: What I'm saying is it implies the fact that you and many other people are telling me I don't want to go on air or on record about it, but I know yeah. exactly what people's those people's opinions are because they will yeah. go off record about it. Uh-huh. That's what that's that's my that's my issue. There. <laughs> You, know what, you, you know. understand what that implies, clearly. Sure,
4: sure. But you don't know my opinion.
1: No, I don't. I don't. But <laughs> I, I, so I'm asking you, but I'm saying yeah, yeah. It, it seems to be a, a common thread, and I, I could make some educated guesses I don't think I'd be wrong about.
4: Sure. Um, so you're asking me, do I think other guys should talk about it but not me? No, I mean, I'm open to talk. Like I, like I said, I just don't want it to be a central thing. Sure. I don't mind talking about it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed of it. I'm not, uh, I don't know, I'm not mad. It's more just, I think for me, it really is more like, can I make sense of it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's difficult. I don't know if it's worth processing or processing it aloud. Or if there's information that, uh, you know, I, I would say that seems like the, the general narrative that most people out there get maybe once i think that the the people inside the church and that were part of it are very underrepresented as far as the in on the as far as the way it gets portrayed but then again nobody really wants to talk about it so that to me that's that's a little bit confusing to me personally i'm confused by it as in well should i talk about it or should i keep my damn mouth shut too that's where (laughs) that's where i'm at
4: i think um I don't know. So for us, as as a church, it really has been one of the the really hard things about this last year is we planted, you know, kind of before everything went sideways. We we left in June of of thirteen, and um, and then it was almost immediately after that everything just started uh, collapsing. And so twenty fifteen for us was essentially a church merger because Mm -hmm. the Mars Hill that I planted here in Orange County uh, closed, and we. a a good number of those people came to our church and it was a really, really hard year. It was a really hard year of, um, walking through the anger and the discontent and the confusion and the hurt and, and all of that stuff with those people. And, um, some, I don't know, man, like it's such a, it's a hard issue to broach having walked through that, um, Mm -hmm. with, with, with a lot of them. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like talking about it publicly, there's so many people that are still hurt. I don't know how helpful it would be. There's so many people who are so angry about it. I don't know how helpful it would be. Mm -hmm. Like, but like I said, I'm, I'm down to talk about it. I'm, I just,
2: yeah. Yeah. Not, not necessarily on the podcast, but just in general, do you, do you feel that guys like you, other elders, pastors at Mars Hill have an element of responsibility to lovingly say, "Whoa, whoa, Whoa, wait a second. You guys that are, supporting driscoll putting him you know supporting him saying oh everybody makes mistakes and all that stuff do you think you guys have a responsibility to say wait a second this this just isn't right we well, we
1: love the, the guy you can't presuppose nick's point of view on that And i'm not even asking you to do it but i'm just saying yeah, yeah. is there not is that it's i certainly understand your point of view from your for yeah. you and your people but i yeah. guess the question would be what about uninformed people right. or, or helping other people not make same mistakes things yeah. like that
4: yeah, um, I can tell you I've been uh, direct and honest in every conversation mm-hmm. I've had. I've never, mm-hmm. I've was honest in my departure, and I've been honest ever since then because uh, mm-hmm. I don't really have anything to hide with it. So, yeah. in conversation with people when they have questions, when they're they're curious about it, it's I'm I got I don't know I
0: don't, I'm pretty honest. That's that's better than me. I was I don't think I was actually honest when I left Marseille. I <laughs> I, uh, I I to be. To be honest, now, I was feeling a little weirded out, and there were some things that were happening, and I was like, uh, and I just went to our parents I was like, hey, our bands are doing really good. I think I'm just going to focus on that for a while. And I'm getting out of here or something. <laughs> Knowing that, I I just didn't say completely that I am weirded out by this a little bit. I didn't I didn't. You completely... regret that? Yeah, I do. I, actually, I regret it because I feel like I thought there was something wrong but I'm just stupid ass Toby. So what do I know? <laughs> right. That's what I thought. That, yeah. I, actually, that well, is the truth. Like I'd that say, is what uh, I thought. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a dummy. And here, once again, here's the thing like that, here's what I would like to say <coughs> for sure. And I've told everybody this, my life was changed at Marcel, and through the preaching yep. of Mark Driscoll. No that, doubt. I mean, the, the dude was awesome. I, I had, I probably had way more uh, great interactions with him than Not I, I don't, I don't even really had hardly any that bad, but overall, like I, part of me does go like right now I'm, I'm, I'm like, what about the people in Arizona or whatever that are just going to go there and don't know anything? Like, I remember Driscoll used to always say there's wolves and you got to watch out for the wolves. And I'm like, am I doing like, maybe he was right and I need to do that now or something. But also once again, I go, I'm just dumb old Toby that doesn't yeah. know anything. And maybe it's totally fine. And it's the right thing. Maybe it's the right thing. Yeah. Maybe he's <laughs> Matt, repented I, and every, good.
4: Yeah, Matt, I would love to hear what you think. Me?
1: yeah um well i I, my main thought and concern on it is the it's like toby said i feel the same way well i'm just me so all these wiser more careful people are choosing to to be quiet but i generally feel like their sentiment is i i don't think that the the uh to to the people really understand a lot of the stuff that went on or the way it felt or how people could learn from it and i feel like it would be way easier to not talk about it, but therefore it might must be the right thing to talk about it. But I'm not trying to be careless, and I don't want to sound like I'm attacking Mark or this or anything like that. Um, but it's like this group thing where it's like the 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 the, the people who were marginalized, mm-hmm. as in everybody most everybody in the church, the people that a lot of elders like you who I think were marginalized and harmed are the, are the least likely ones to speak out. It feels like the victims don't are the ones ashamed to talk about it. That's what I feel. I feel like it bears resemblance to that.
4: Yeah. I don't, I don't think that there's a a shame or necessarily a fear from it's been, for me, one of the hardest things has been, you know, for the first year of our church plant, it was like, um, running away from a tree that was falling and making sure it didn't land on your head, you know, like, or it was this looming sense of doom. Uh
3: Um,
4: And then also just the, not wanting to um, plant a church and people based on where you were, and like yeah, being but that's just it's
1: so like the scarring is like now all we are is trying to be a church that's trying to not say we're like a Mars Hill recovery church or something or a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That's that in the place that I go now, that's what it is. Like, yeah, everybody knows that's like half of the people here, but we try not to identify as such because we don't want to feel think feel that way all the time. It's, well, weird. No, it's just think, weird, you
3: know.
4: What I mean is, I, I didn't want to be reactionary. Mm-hmm, like, right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to. Um, I wanted to be able to say like, but who, who are we? And not like, I'm not going to be like my dad. Yeah. You know? Uh, (laughs) uh, so that, that's been the hardest part for me as far as like talking about it, uh, publicly, uh, like I said, there's not really a shame or a fear. It's just more, Mm -hmm. is it, is it wise and helpful for people? Uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: It sounds like you're processing and I, that, that's the thing too. Like I feel like I process out loud. So that's probably why I'm going to, I just say stuff and try and figure it out. But it, it, I think that the, the thing, too, is that everybody's probably in agreement. There was good and bad. So that should be okay, okay. to be talked about. But We'll, anyway, keep, we'll yeah.
1: keep a little bit vague about the bad. Yeah. Anyway. We'll be specific about the good. We'll stay a little vague about the bad. I'm fine with that, too. But, uh,
4: yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was good. There was bad. ultimately, it is a shame that um, uh, the gospel wasn't made much of at the end. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that, that's a bummer. Yeah, that really bummed sure. me out.
0: All right, Nick. Well, thank you for joining. We'd love to have you back anytime yep. you get a hair man, and you just go. No, those guys, those guys are just full of it. Yeah, send us another email. I yeah, promise. Definitely. you. I love it. I I love it. I would. I in fact, I I ask that whenever you feel that way. Do it. Do it again, and we'd love to have you back on in the future too. If you if you join us,
1: yeah, Nick. Tell everybody the name of your church. You're in Orange County. It's uh, is the yeah, cross? It's, it's Cross uh, of Christ. Cross of yep. Christ Church. You can find that online. I'm, I thought I'm sure. it was. I was
2: hoping it was called like Connect Net Church or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well
1: yes cross of christ church in Orange. Ar- so where is it in orange county near the uh, beach somewhere what are you to mesa coast yeah, of mesa very it's good
4: one city over from the beach
1: we'll, we'll, we'll be good there at the beginning there.
0: of march so maybe we can grab lunch with you or something yep really where are you guys gonna be we're, we're playing a house show uh we're, in yeah, orange county a, the a, saturday a march something right at the beginning first saturday of march
4: yep dude actually i saw you guys play one time i saw you play at uh, chain reaction oh really
1: yeah, yeah. Why didn't you try to be our manager? Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think someone might have already been
4: managing you, I think. It was, it was so. really early on, but I don't know. I remember. I just remember a lot of guitar throwing.
1: That's I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, maybe we'll see you when we come down there. We'll be there at the beginning of March. So I thank you for really coming on today, Nick. It. Sweet. Thanks. Enjoyed Bye.
0: it. Bye. Bye. And we're back. We're not back. Right. Joey, you are literally ruining the podcast, and we... Need to get to the most important part. That was Nick Bogardus. And I just loved Enjoyed that one? I really did. Like yeah. th- the thing is, I hope he really doesn't feel bad. I'm being no, honest. I, mean, I don't want to feel bad about writing us an email, a letter, and being nice to us and saying, hey, this is what I'm thinking. That, that's totally well, cool. Well,
1: last chance here for you, though. Now is this kind of thing where we get in the car and you're like, ah, still, though, I think it's all stupid. I should have said more to him. Do you feel that way? No, I actually don't. No, Uh I do not feel like that. You you want to sleep with him He's like, yeah, actually, that's really good. He's like, you know what? should have said. What what will you say you should have said to me later? No, no, no. This sounds really
0: really terrible. I think the way Nick handles his business and says stuff, I really believe him and trust him. Uh The times that I felt that way is when I I thought somebody wasn't being honest and I should have called them out on it and I didn't do it. So he was saying everything completely honestly, openly, and even if he was disagreeing, uh, I didn't think I had to hold back, and yeah. I didn't. So I feel good. Oh, we really had a video
2: feed on Skype, too, and you could tell he really
0: was thinking about what we were oh, saying. Yeah, yeah. With I his think eyes that closed. was That was cool. Too, he was yeah. just
2: really thinking about what we had to say.
0: Yeah, he's a l- really legit guy. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, there's no bullshit with him. So anyway. All and right, I can look, tell you're not bullshitting. I'm not going to right now. We're going oh. to get to it. Matt, kick the music.
2: Please, Matt, make, make yeah. the intro about Matt.
0: Leave me out of it. In a world, <laughs> leave me out of it. In a world where all pastors are way more Shit. honest and way open than the one that you started a business and podcast with, my name is Toby <laughs> the thing
2: And you know that's not true. I talked about you showing are my a liar. dad my penis. You're a
0: filthy liar. You're I showed going my dad night.
2: my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. You think Virgil's ever gone into work and went,
0: Bob... You ain't gonna believe the fucking shit that happened <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> my son, this son of a bitch, is 20-something years old, walks in, pulls down his pants,
1: and shows his cock to me. No, I know, I know no, didn't use a, that language. It's common knowledge of him and I was like, uh his bowling team that Virgil, tell them the one about your boy again. <laughs> y'all listen to this. I haven't even told y'all
2: this. Uh I, I asked my dad, I was like, Dad, would you ever want to be on the podcast? And he's I don't know, that's right. <laughs> He asked me because bad Christian listeners find my dad on Facebook oh, and no. they comment God on stuff. And so one time they said uh that somebody said something really over the top complimentary about his paintings because yeah. he has yeah. uh, I think his Virgil's acrylic paintings or something like that. And uh he's they're just like Virgil these are awesome. Uh, and my dad was just like, are you being serious? Cause it was over the top. I forgot what he said. He's just like, no, I'm being serious. He's like, you're Virgil, the legend. <laughs> and so my dad said, what were they talking about? I was like, well, we talk about you a good bit on the podcast. And recently we told a story about, remember that time? And this is the first time we ever talked about it. I was oh, like, remember that oh time gosh. I showed you my penis cause I was struggling with it. He's just like, you told him that. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: All
0: right, Joey, this first news story is for you, my friend. Well, I don't friend. give a shit. And I don't even want to hear it. Yes, you do. You no, love I the actually news. Don't. It's your favorite thing. The thing that you war against the most is usually what you love the most. The thing you fight against and go, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. That's actually what you are. This is inside of you. I believe okay. the truth is inside so Toby's of you. you inside it. of me. Yep. Right, well, <laughs> well that's a, save it for another podcast. <laughs> save that. <laughs> I'm not ready to go there yet. Save it for another podcast. This comes from. The, the, the <laughs> real legend up in the post. Mystery of Moon's unnatural four-mile-high spire is explained. Now, I don't even know what a spire is. I know I you wouldn't. All right. Don't jump to conclusions, Mr. Joey Svensson. That's the lesson of this story and of any story that appears online making wild claims about alien structures oh, found boy. on the moon or Mars or anywhere else in our galactic neighborhood, Mr. <laughs> Joey Pastor Svensson. <laughs> On February 1st, the British News Site Express reported an extraordinary claim that UFO chasers had supposedly discovered a tremendous, nearly four mile high artificial spire bursting out from the surface of the moon. Joe, you want to guess what a spire is? I'll show you a picture of it. What does that look like? I
2: can use my context clues. It's kind of like a spirally light coming out. Why are you closing your eyes? (laughs) Because I don't want to see the picture.
0: It basically looks like a a rocket. That's what I just said. Smoke. Totally just Um, said that. Bold statement indeed. But was this the alleged structure built by the hand or at a command of some extraterrestrial creature? Basically, it's not. I thought. Sorry, I thought it was rocket smoke. It's actually an actual structure. A popular tool that many UFO researchers use is Google Earth and Moon, which lets you fly over the lunar surface in the same way that you can surf our home planet. A YouTube channel, Mexico Geek, was cruising around Google Moon and came upon the dubious lunar structure and put. Po- Posted this video. At first glance, the object in question does look like a tall tower, and the visible angle almost makes it seem three-dimensional. But is it really? Then the UFO Sightings Daily site, that generally generally promotes an alien explanation for many of the things uh, it presents, got in on the action. The spire looks to be coming out of the center of a crater, but these are not craters, but many small white shiny structures. The spire was probably built to accommodate a very large vessel so that it could dock safely mm-hmm. without landing. According to the Sightings Daily, Scott Morey, who further claims, I created this site to help UFO community community get organized. Um, and so they show pictures of it, and it keeps going and on and going on. But, Matt, where, where do you believe? you believe this is alien? Oh, for,
1: first, for sure it's aliens. First thing you go to is aliens, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
0: First thing I think we all should go to is yeah. aliens.
1: I mean, I, I don't think you need to read it anymore. It's settled.
0: In the midst of all this confusion, is there a possible voice of reason that can offer anything more plausible than a miles high alien landing pad? And the Christian world, no. Every Christian should, listening to my voice, know that aliens exist and they are demons and they will attack at any moment with their teeth. <laughs> 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 that is funny. Like de- demons, their biggest weapon, not knowing Satan, not being demon with teeth. Those dark eyes, those teeth and the claws are the number one uh, things that demons use. That's no spire. What is going on is that there is a small crater that formed on the rim after a large crater said uh, said Noah. Uh, and they call that Mercenius E, said Noah Petro, Deputy Project Scientist for the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter Camera mission currently orbiting the moon. While some in- images shown here are from Google Earth, Petro provided Huffington Post with a newer, clearer images. So basically, it was just a thing that he could totally explain because he actually works and really cares about it and has spent his whole life learning about the moon and works mm-hmm. for a team. That's the what moon. they tell you. But the guy that did the UFO site, I still think we should believe him. Joey, what do you think? Well, it's obvious that he's telling the truth if you just look at the pictures. Just See, look at the pictures. So which one do you think is true? Do you think that that's an alien or it's just a thing that actually happens on the moon with a crater?
1: Have you seen those sidewalk chalk guys They can make us look like a pothole? Oh my fall gosh, all the way down into so a cool. spider-man Basically,
0: there is no spire, is what this guy's saying. It's an optical illusion because of the way the sun. The sun is so low on the horizon such that the dimple and the crater... Wall casts a shadow on the eastern side of the wall crater, making it look like there's a something that has been built, but it's just an optical illusion.
1: Sure, that's what I'm saying. It's I like can show it, you.
0: I'm showing, looking at it right now, but it's just it's like
1: that sidewalk jaw, and where you looks down, and you're looking all the way down up in the skyscraper, and Spider Man crawling out, and you look like you're gonna fall in
2: it. Sure, I don't, I don't deny that that's probably not an alien. I just don't deny all the stuff that's put in front of
0: me. You're saying what percentage chance do you actually believe that there are aliens that are demons? That are demons? Or what do you believe There's aliens change? that aren't demons. Or do you, do you I think actually they're one in the don't.
2: same? I think there's a possibility, but I don't I don't believe there are. I just think God is so huge that he's expressing how great he is by creating a universe that is just occupied by a little speck. So a lot of people are just like, Why would there be such a big universe and only Earth civil you know with civilization? Well, I think that's because it's not big to God. So I don't necessarily there could be some other civilizations out there. I don't believe there is but percent chance that there's real stuff that we've seen and we've attributed to aliens, but we're actually, have you seen a ghost alien? De- you've seen a ghost in your backyard cutting the grass. Have you ever seen a ghost alien? Um, I mean, that could have been one that was pretending to be like see-through, but I don't think it was. I saw
0: this one. Then a ton of people sent this to me. Uh, and this hey, one, can I ask a paper? favor? No, 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 no. My if God, if something no. ever my my happens God. to me
2: and I, and I die, can yes. you do a story well, of I mean, me <laughs> and like make sport of it? Like, You know, if I get in a car wreck, for example, can you say something like the emergency team had to use the jaws of life? No, I'm not going to do that.
1: You want us to keep, if you die, you want us to keep it light. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Got it.
0: Yeah. For Priscilla
2: and the kids. I want them to be able to listen to the episode.
0: I mean, you realize there won't be one thing that kills you. You have so many things that are wrong that it'll have the list of things that actually will kill you. They'll narrow it down to three. No, no, no. no. My word. No. It'll be something unbelievable. All right, this is the last one. Uh, today, a man accused of tossing, tossing gator into, window, uh, into Wendy's drive through window. I heard about this on the radio, and then a lot of people sent it to me as well. But a, uh, a Florida man in Jupiter is facing assault charges after fish and wildlife officials said he tossed a three-and-a-half-foot live alligator into a drive-thru window at Wendy's. <laughs> U.S. Marshals, do y'all think that's funny?
3: Yeah, it's pretty yeah.
0: Okay, me too. U.S. Marshals arrested 24-year-old 20, Joshua James on Monday and charged him with assault with a deadly weapon and unlawful possession and transportation of an alligator. The incident happened last October, but officials in Florida uh, Fish and Wildlife Department tracked him down only recently. According to the incident report, James pulled up to a window at Wendy's in uh, Loxahatchee last fall and placed an order for a drink. After he got the beverage, investigators said he tossed the alligator, which he had in the back of the truck, into the restaurant's uh, kitchen, according to the Miami Herald. Uh, Investigators, using information on a receipt... He received for his drink. Tracked him down. The alligator was eventually removed. Uh, and That's what's funny intense. is his mom got into it and she said it it's just a stupid prank. He's dumb. <laughs> he does stuff like this because he thinks it's funny. He shouldn't be going. So, his mom's just trying to, trying to get him. But they were uh, they are actually uh, trying to really get this guy on some serious
1: charges. Like yeah. there'll be or some is real there, jail is there, time. Um... I mean, how, do they have what they are? are They're like, is it deadly weapon or is it animal cruelty charges? How about yeah, I just read it here. Him?
0: Sorry, I just read it. But uh, so it was with, uh, so they charged him with assault with a deadly weapon mm-hmm. and unlawful possession and transportation of an alligator yeah. or animal. So they got him with animal law yeah, and yeah. an assault law. right? right. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's an assault with a de- deadly weapon, which it would carry a, hu- a high charge. And he was just doing a prank. Now, the thing is, it's three and a half feet, that doesn't seem that scary. Like it, it, you, of course there would be a girl and everybody'd be dying laughing. All of a sudden there's an alligator there and you just run. But do you think anybody's well, life was actually well, in uh, danger? They were That's pretty long. Well, the prank is the one
2: where you put his uh, tails two feet. Yeah, but still <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, people get
0: freaked out about, um, so you think this guy should go to jail for a long time?
2: No. What well, what's the, uh, Puerto Rican type of lizard. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Man- what a what are you talking about? What what are they what called?
2: Not a chameleon, but a uh I forgot what they're Iguana? called. Iguana. Iguana, yeah. Okay. But I, I grew up with uh, a Puerto, known Rican, as the Puerto, Puerto Rican lizard. <laughs> <laughs> One of my best friends in high school was from Puerto Rico and, and he had iguanas all over his house, like as pets. So that's why I call okay, them Puerto if you Rican put lizards.
1: A a fake mouse. Or so, or something on your aunt's shoulder, or, she'll scream and run across. Right, that's a prank. Right. So this is not exactly in the same territory. as is a way harmless it, prank. It, no, now, no, no, yes, <laughs> but do also, you think it's an assault with a weapon? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I understand wow. what the what the prosecution would be saying. So. I don't know what he should. get. I'm sure he should probably take a deal. But
0: you, you now, think he should do? Okay, I should say. Do you think he should serve time, or this is like community service? Man, you really screwed up. You went, took a joke to, a little too far.
1: I mean, you got to have some precedent somewhere, wow. especially with animal cruelty. People are going to start taking that yeah. very, very seriously. Like they would say, people said on the making a murder thing yeah. that, and I think it's a bit extreme, but just to let you know where I think we're headed as a society, I've said this a lot, that we're getting more and more about animals with, you know, Sea yeah, factory farming on making a murder. A lot of people's counterpoint was that guy threw a cat into the fire. They said he doused in gasoline, and put in the fire yep. and um, that he admitted to at the beginning of the documentary, and then he was in jail for what, like, eight, fifteen or eighteen years for yeah. that crime that he did not commit. Yeah, a lot of people said that cat crime, if properly prosecuted, would have been something approach could have been approaching that. So yeah. he so he could have just done time for that. But some you know some people would think uh, for stuff like that, you should really do real jail time. Yeah, when you're abusing animals and doing things that are like that. But my question is, do you think it's less punishable? Of something because it's a prank, and if the prank is funny, does that lessen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Say, me. well, it's a prank, but it was also a crime. But, yeah. was, but I would to have seen it. I did it. the crime as a prank, though. Is that different? Everybody and got
0: something, though. If you were working at the uh, McDonald's <laughs> and somebody threw an alligator in, you'd be so happy. I know. You, well, I you love would be, it. just,
1: be You would not want that not to have oh, happened. I would love it. But if it's a bad prank, then it should be more punishable. If it's less funny,
2: what if, what if one of the kids got. Bit like what if it was Ruby and she was working the window and the alligator bit her and the damn alligator yeah. had a rabies because you know those rabbit <laughs> lizards. I wouldn't want
0: a, a three and a half foot alligator near my daughter. You're right. You and, and then if, if, if she came came was home, 18 and working at hardy's and uh, Alex, she said she You won't it. believe it. And Allie, I would be kind of happy that she yeah, had that yeah, memory. I agree. Is all I'm saying. Anyway, that's the damn news. All right. Can we? Uh, yeah, this is a long ass podcast. Yep. We can take uh, off. I kind of want to end on a sad note, um, and it's about
1: you want to end on a sad. <laughs> well, note okay,
0: it's about uh, Steve, the, the Puerto Rican lizard. He's, a, he's an iguana. Um, he, him, and his his wife broke up.
1: The Steve, the great. She Puerto left Rican him. Lizard. Yeah
0: he had he had a reptile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs>